Welcome to the Teeth to Toes podcast. I'm Dr. Curtis Westerson, and I have a very special guest for the Teeth to Toes podcast, a Dr. Duncan Brown from Canmore, Alberta. And Duncan is a, a young guy who really understands orthodontics and how it functions and works with the whole body. Now, I may treat TMJ people, but I don't do any orthodontics. I leave everything up to Duncan because he can make this seem clearer to me, and he helps my patients all the time. Welcome, Duncan. Hey, thanks, Curtis. A delight to be here. Um, on this podcast, what we do is we talk about different subjects, um, and I've got a lot of people that are asking, how do we diagnose patients so that we can um, understand whether we can actually refer them out to someone or we can treat them. What do you have to say about that? I think that's a brilliant question. The, the key is to know a little bit about a lot of things. You do not have to be an expert in everything. You need to be able to ask the right questions to know and look at the right things to know what you should refer and what you can handle in-house. And that's really the art of the relationship between you and the orthodontist. Now, how do, you, how do you get that relationship? How do you develop that relationship? Should you wait for the orthodontist to buy you dinner? Or should you actually contact the orthodontist and have us face-to-face sit down in his office or your office so you can better understand each other? Well, certainly the buying the dinner route didn't work for us. So my <laughs> suggestion would be that you go and meet the guy. And you have to understand what they're thinking. The orthodontist is interested in seeing your patients. That's what he wants to do. He's probably not as aware of all of the things that you're doing, and you're not aware of all the things he's doing. So you have to develop a relationship that has an open set of communication so that you're able to speak to each other in more than a, gee, I sent you a patient manner. So um, I obviously do some very specialized stuff and you and I work together because of that. But let's say I'm just a young guy, I'm a young dentist, I'm out there and I don't know whether I should use aligners to treat this uh, patient or whether I should be giving you a phone call? Are there some hints or tips that you would give a young dentist starting up? Uh, yes, <laughs> a lot of them. Okay, let's talk about aligners. And I'm going to use my hands. Okay. So, Aligners, you got this far, you're going to go in treatment, and this is divided into 10 or 15 aligners. Each aligner gets roughly 80 to 90% of what the prediction is in the computer. So you get 80 or 90% of the first one, then you start the second aligner. Get 80 or 90% of that when you start the third aligner. You get 80 or 90% of that, you start the fourth aligner. 
So that by the time you get to the end, amaze your friends at parties, how much of the overall correction that you predicted in the computer did you actually get? I don't know. The science says it's somewhere around 60%. Ouch. Yeah, you flip so, a coin. So that may be somewhat of a wild guess as to where you're going to take this patient. Yes. And that is alignment. Yes, and that is especially true uh, if you're trying to deal with very specific jaw positions. That's why in your patients, you will never see them in aligners. They just wouldn't get to a, the They're level not of accurate. precision. They're not accurate enough. But aligners, I mean, they're really popular. I don't use them personally, but they're really popular amongst other dentists. The aligner companies seem to make a whole bunch of money, so they must be selling them. How are people not all falling apart and falling down after aligner treatment? Well, if you, it depends on what your criteria for success is. If your criteria for success is straighter teeth, maybe 60% is enough. Okay. If your criteria for success is accurate, as you do, one ten thousandths of an inch, you're not going to get anywhere close to that with aligners. Well, it's one thousandth of a millimeter, but thank you very much for the American people will kind of understand that. The Canadians <laughs> measure in millimeters. I don't know. Do the Americans measure in millimeters? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so with these patients, the, the, the vast majority of patients the vast majority will be good enough. They'll be able to um, be good enough in their um, treatment with aligners. But then there's a whole nother segment that's not going to be good enough. I agree. How do you as a orthodontist of renown separate those two people? Or do you actually use aligners in your own treatment? I use aligners, but for very simple movements. They're very predictable for very simple movements, but they're not predictable for complex movements in three dimensions. And a lot of orthodontics is going to be complex because the human body is a complex well, that's especially true in patients that are uh, transdisciplinary, orthoperioprost patients. You'll never get it with aligners, in my opinion. Now, um, so some types of orthodontists, they do something called retraction. Like I've seen orthodontists pull out bicuspids, it happened to me. And I know that's a bad thing, and I know you know that's a bad thing, but it's still very popular amongst some groups. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, for years and years and years, orthodontists believed that the position of the mandible was not adaptable. So if you had a patient like this in a non-growing individual, 
The fix was to take out teeth in the upper and move these back to touch the lower. Contemporary orthodontics doesn't think that way. We're very interested in advancing mandibles. So the fix to this is probably this, not this. Okay. And um, amaze your friends at parties. Put up your hands, Curtis, and make deep overbite. Now, if you were to ask the majority, this is a good test for your, the guys at home. You go and ask your orthodontist, how does he fix this? And if he fixes this by moving his hands this way, you probably should be speaking to somebody else. So if, you should be doing this way or yes. maybe th this way. Or maybe this Everything right. down and forward in the face. And that is a very telling thing because the number of orthodontists that were trained to approach overbites this way uh, is probably 10%, maybe wow. less. Is that because of the way it's taught in yes. orthodontic schools? Yes. Ouch. So it would seem reasonable that people could have problems going into orthodontic treatment that are greater than just, I've got a gnarly smile and crooked teeth and I want them to look pretty, to I've got a gnarly smile and crooked teeth, I'd like them to look pretty, but I also have far-flung functional problems that a lot of these people may not even be aware of. That's exactly correct. I don't spend very much time looking at the teeth in an exam. Oh, really? I'm looking at the CBCT and listening to the history and looking at their aesthetics to determine what to do. Now, for those listeners out there that don't know what a CBCT is, that's a comb beam cat scan, which is a three-dimensional um, picture of your head and neck and jaws so that the dentist can take and turn it around and make it look interesting. Um, so you look at the CBCT, and what was the other ones you do? I, I look at their photographs to see what aesthetics look like. Now, do you just take the normal five photographs that every orthodontist takes? No. It's sort of like smile and yeah. the teeth. Yeah. The standard orthodontic records are not very useful in terms of telling you what to do. So we take maybe 20 uh, photographs on every patient that we see, and we also take videos to be able to tell where they function as opposed to where they bite. Okay, so the habitual bite versus where their bite should be so they can function. That's correct. Cool. The, the, the conversation that the guys want to get into with their orthodontist is in terms of um, how they view jaw position and what their mechanics look like. If you're speaking to some, there is a role for extractions. Um, okay. Not huge role. So if you're speaking to someone that's extracting 70% of their patients, it probably isn't the place that you want to end up. 
Okay. He's probably a very competent person, but it's not where you want your patients treated. So when we have, excuse me, I have to cough. <coughs> excuse me. So when we have, uh, we're looking at, or when we are looking at a patient, it's not so much this deep overbite, it's how retrognathic the upper jaw is in its growth and where that pushed the mandible so it could bite together. Yes. And old time growth, orthodontics used to look right? at everything being diagnosed to the lower incisor. Everything moved to it. Contemporary orthodontics is diagnosing based on the upper incisor and everything moves to it. So we're not terribly concerned. Um, I'm not really concerned about lower incisor position. I'm concerned about upper incisor position. So that's if, what determines the mechanics. So if someone grows, if someone's, let's say someone's potential maxillary growth was forward to here, but they only got to here. So they have a retrognathic mandible maxilla. You really want to bring that forward so that the jaw can come forward, correct? Yes. But in what want, age group does that happen at? It happens in all age groups. Ah, okay. The You and I arrive at the same conclusion for different reasons. You want to bring the upper incisors forward so that the mandible can come further forward. I want to bring the upper incisors forward because it provides greater lip support and better aesthetics. But the end okay. result is exactly the same. Okay. So it's, I mean, we both want function. We both want form. And it's how we can make both of those problems improve with orthodontic care yes yep okay cool now um when a young dentist or any dentist goes to a um uh an orthodontist and sits down um if that young dentist or any dentist is doing aligners for simple cases um, and the orthodontist knows that are orthodontists still okay with that or oh, yeah. do the orthodontist want to see every case you have to give every case to the orthodontist no orthodontists don't want to see every case um, okay general dentists should be treating orthodontic patients some of them in my opinion they probably should be treating fewer than they are treating because they ah. haven't been informed of the risks and limitations of things like aligners. Okay. Uh, We're going to have to have a, a whole episode on aligners by the looks of it. I think that would be a really good idea. The, sci the science on aligners is very specific. Aligners doesn't do three things well. What it are those? Does, it doesn't rotate teeth well. Okay. It doesn't create create differences in physician 
of the jaws this way very well and it struggles with width. So if you have patients that have rotations, AP discrepancies, vertical discrepancies, or transverse discrepancies, they're lousy aligner candidates. So what are aligners good for? They're good for moving teeth if the jaws are in the right position. And the trick is learning if the jaws are in the right position. Well, you, you see a lot of TMD patients, sir. How many of them have jaws in the right position? Answer, zero. Zero. So they're really a, a terrible option for uh, complex orthodontic movements. Okay. Okay. Well, um, we've been uh, doing, where are we at here? Um, we've been doing this for 17 minutes. Um, you've got two or three minutes here to talk about whatever it is you would like to mention in this initial diagnosing, making a relationship with an orthodontist episode. Anything else you can add? Yeah. You shouldn't be intimidated when you go and see the orthodontist. The orthodontist is okay. going to try to convince you that he's the best thing since sliced bread. You have to get to the point where you have a very honest relationship because you're not always going to agree. Curtis, do you and I always agree? No. Okay. So you have to be able to have that discussion. And and the the game of, well, I want you to treat my patients or I want to treat your patients is just the first part of the conversation. You're, you're okay. really learning together. And if if you're in a position where you've got a guy that you can learn with, then you're probably going to do really well in that relationship over the long term. Now, I've had these conversations with quite a few orthodontists, and some of them, I sort of give them a case all ready to go, and I get feedback that we're going to do one thing, and we end up doing something more in the line of what they would do of every other patient. Yep. So some orthodontists don't be able to seem to do the more complicated cases. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's a good thing to have a few gray hairs. And it's a good thing to have that conversation ahead of time so you're both are on the same page because yep. he may not want to see your patients. Uh, well, he'll tell you that he wants to see them all. <laughs> Only send the nice ones. Yep. Um, it, it's never easy to establish a real uh, professional, strong relationship. It's never easy. It takes time. And it takes successes and it takes failures. And the measure of the relationship is how well you do with both. Well... We need to have more podcasts, Duncan. And so what we're going to do is we're going to end this one. And uh, But uh, we need to do this again. You sure. okay with that? Oh, yeah. I look okay. forward to it. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you very much, sir. I'm Dr. Curtis Westerson. I treat TMD, TMD cases. And I can't do it all by myself. I have to do it with other professionals like Dr. Duncan Brown. And thank you very much 
for being on my podcast. You're welcome. Thanks, Curtis. Bye now.